that is the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan, in the lockdown towers of my own home. Uh, Paddy Aspel is here. Paddy, how are you? How are you doing, guys? Really good. Thanks for coming back on. And uh, we um, we are lucky enough to be joined by Stephen Cass is back. Stephen. Hi, lads. Yeah, flying it. This is my favourite uh, week. I love Labrick's Trophy is my favourite race all year, so I'm buzzing now for this week. Yeah, I love it. I love it too. This is like, you know, I, I think I've said it every week on the pod though so far that this is where it really gets started. But I that's the great thing about jumps, it. Oh, this is the start of the jump season. It's, it's like, oh, I hate that shite. Which, yeah, the Charlie Hall, Down Royal. It's been on with months, lads. Come on. <laughs> well, this is where it really gets started anyway. Um, Demo, you are here as well. Demo Nolan. I most certainly am, Dino. Good. Is this where the jump season starts for you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jump season starts around Galway time for me. Ah, okay, okay. A few months away, a few months away. But all this preamble is still good fun. Um, all right, in the typical fashion of the and style of the Race Hour podcast, uh, we'll try and get through a review of some of the, the stellar performances of the last seven days or so. Um, after that, we will take a break, and then it will be Friday at Newbury, Saturday at Newbury and Newcastle, and uh, the big... Um, well, the Drimmore meeting, the Bar One meeting at Fairy House, which unfortunately I can't go to. And I, I can almost see the track from here, which is just devastating to not be able to pop in there at the weekend and uh, and see some of these horses running around. But we've got a huge weekend um, to get through in the preview section. But let's kick off with the review. Derma, I might come to you first. Um, let's start off with that race at Haydock where Bristol Demai uh, won his gold cup again for the Twiston Davies yard. Daryl Jacob was oh, super, super animated after the line, of course, getting the job done on Bristol Demai. What a warrior that horse is. A uh, couple of disappointments in the race. I don't know if Clanders over was a disappointment, but uh, lost in translation certainly was. Yeah, and that, that kind of is Daryl Jacob, though. Anyway, he is quite an emotional bloke. You can see it, but you know, I think he lost one year by a nose at Cheltenham and, you know, he he was devastated. There's no harm in a jockey to... Uh, respond like that it's great to see there's well, kind of not much to say in this race really Bristol might won uh, because he just absolutely loves those conditions Haydock is kind of descending into a, a bit of a joke now how it can go from soft to good to soft in places and then literally uh, a few hours of rain and you're talking about an absolute quagmire so it's just a track that's, that's kind of very hard to, to properly get behind really in, in my opinion but look it was a very good race he was a brilliant winner of it Again, as he always is, um, that's probably him done winning-wise now for the season, you'd probably think. Um, Lost in translation, very, very disappointing. He just never really kind of got going and he really sulked in it. And you'd be worried about that now going forward a bit. But his run in the Gold Cup last season wasn't that long ago, so you can still retain some faith in him. But the real one to take out of the race was Clandes Oboe. I didn't think they put the gun to his head all that much. And he could end up going into a King George as a decent price. Yet again, despite the fact that he's been there, done it now twice, and he goes into it in great form off the back of this thing. Yeah, yeah. King George um, certainly did himself no harm going into it. I don't think the race would have been too hard. Stephen, I might come to you. Did they go too slow last year and played into the hands of Lost in Translation? And did they just go too quick for Lost in Translation this year? I don't don't think it's that. I think Lost in Translation is a very in-and-out horse. And whether he's feeling something or there's something that stops him performing every so often, but you couldn't count on him any day. 
and at the same time, like the King George last year, performed terribly. It's like if he makes a mistake at all, and his confidence goes. Um, that's what happened to the King George. But uh, he's not a horse you could have on your side. But you'd always chance him then if he was a massive price. Uh, if he was 12 to 1 in the King George, he could pop up and win. But uh, I think the, the one thing with this uh, in the aftermath, I love Clendis Obo. Um, but the, the English trainers, everyone's saying, will Bristol Demai go for the Grand National or whatever? Have mm. these guys not heard of Ireland? Like, why He likes a flat track left handed. Why doesn't mm. he come over for Leprechaun at Christmas? Surely. Very good point, been, yeah. There's been tricks missed over the years. Native River made for Leopardstown. Bristol Demai made for Leopardstown. We used to get these horses over all the time. The likes of the listener. Denman was over. Um, what a friend was over. Like Leopardstown is a very fair track. And if you don't like Cheltenham, you probably like a flattish, left-handed, good jumping track. Get Bristol Demai over here at Leopardstown. That could be the race for him. I'd love to see that. Yeah, I think that that makes that makes plenty of sense, Paddy. I come to you. I mean, the basis of um, whether these horses going forward, Clanders over for a King George or Lost in Translation, what they're going to do, and, and Ireland would would be a, a sensible next port call. But some trainers just don't do it, do they? Don't they don't come over? And uh, I guess you know, Twiston Davis would be one of those. Yeah, he definitely sits in that category, doesn't he? Twiston Davis. I can't recall too many horses at all that he's ever fetched nope. over there. But that's a real good shout by Stephen Cass because even though he's one going the other way. He's by far, uh, his superior form is left-handed flat track. But I think probably the most thing about this old boy is I've never seen a horse jump out of terrible ground like that. You, mm. know, you would think he's, he's using up so much petrol, uh, being as exuberant as what he is, but it's just him. Um, you know, And the thing is, it was never a comfortable view in watching the Tizard horse loss in translation. He, he was never, you were just never comfortable watching him and, and he was beat pretty quickly. Um, there's no doubt it was disappointed, but he's bombed out with Haydock in the past and he's bombed out on more than one occasion, like Stephen Cass made the point to you. So, in and out horse, yeah. Yeah, wouldn't put a line completely through him, but it, it was an off day for him. But, you know, uh, uh, he has been pigeonholed a bit, Bristol Demai, but there's no doubt that's his backyard at Haydock. And when he when he, when he he's on his um, when he's on his A game, very, very difficult horse to beat. Yeah, Austin and credit to sorry, sorry, Dean, but Austin is another one that Leopardstown would really suit because they go that little bit slower over here than mm. they do in the UK. Like the King George are going to go an absolute million with Clandis Obo and Surname in there, and maybe yeah. they'd be afraid it wouldn't suit his jumping. But over here in the Lexus, they're just going to tip away. Ken Boyle will be out in front, uh, tipping away, but it won't be a crazy pace. And the way he can travel in when he's in his comfort zone, he should be coming over as well. I just, I just, <laughs> I'm sorry to harp on about it, but it's per, it's it's perfect for his next port of call. You don't need to go to yep. Cheltenham in an undulating track in January. You can bring him over here, a, a more suitable race uh, and a more prestigious race. And they just need to start thinking outside the box a bit. Yeah, sure. And uh, I guess some of that comes down to the owners as well. I mean, maybe they've no interest at all in coming over and they just want their horse to go to I, the... I can't have that. They the can't they love racing. They can't love racing and not want to win a Clepristown at Christmas. No, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, why don't, um, Paddy, why don't you, you kick off with uh, what we saw from... I think the word um, is probably like sensational shiskin. Um, he just looked like he's made for the chasing game, doesn't he? Yeah, he was. He was a pleasure to watch, wasn't he? And I mean, the thing is, although Nico had looked like he set off to, to take a lead, you know, unlike you would see horses first time over fences that might be a bit big early doors, he was so quick. Even at the first, he, he took two lengths out of the leader and, you know, Nico kept having to take a pull on him. But he was... You know, absolutely faultless, you know, and he wasn't getting kicked from outside the wings. He was just very economical, very quick, very fast. 
and really couldn't pick one hole in it. And it was a, it was a really good start, wasn't it? Yeah, I was. Um... I was expecting to see something good because when you hear uh, Nicky Henderson say things like, you know, he's frightening over a fence and stuff like that, that only makes you think of the likes of a sprinter or an outier. And uh, this is the third coming. Did we see the Arco winner, Stephen Cass? Um, it was very good. Very good. His jumping is unbelievably quick. I wouldn't like to see him hit the top of one because the way he mm. jumps, he's, he's very, um, he stands off them a lot. So if he, and he's low rather than kind of getting in close and flicking him, which I like to see, he kind of stands off a mile of the wings. So if, he, if, he, if his front feet hit the top of one, you'd wonder would he go head over heels. That'd be the worry with him. But uh, yeah. yeah, he's a machine. Yeah, machine. Demo, Arco winner? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think we've seen the Arco winner and the Marsh winner already. Um, I think uh, Shishkin's just he's a step above, isn't he? Yeah, it'd be a big ask for him to go and win both those races, though, Demo. <laughs> 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 he could do it he could do it he probably could he probably could hey, in years gone by at Cheltenham there are some horses that have gone and done just that run into a three of the big races why not um, doesn't seem to happen anymore now you see him once every three months in a race course gallop at, at Newbury on it on it a, would be great wouldn't it if there, it would be great wouldn't it because I saw Maddie Playle from the racing post saying that the, there there should be some sort of a prize put up for Shiskin and Envy Allen to kind of take each other on wouldn't it be great if, if there was some uh, fantasy world where trainers were kind of contractually obliged that that at some point the uh, the winners of the marsh and the arkel had to take each other on because mm. we could we, we could end up never seeing envy allen taking on shishkin and that just seems like a real pity to me why not yeah, run, need- why not run shishkin in the champion chase get three chases into him run him in the champion chase if you're going to yeah, go exactly, yeah. next year like this this old novice chaser thing that horse has loads of experience the Champion Chase yeah. is a load of shite. Get him into it. I wouldn't be surprised. That, I think Nicky took Altior out of uh, Novice Company during his Novice season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if um, if he does something like that because this just seems the right type for it. So um, that would that would be interesting enough. I, I think if you ever get the Hearns involved in racing, that might be the way it goes. You can imagine um, those kind of promoters looking to to set something up and, and mix the calendar no, up. But that's no, not going to no. if, if, if Barry Hearn gets on Twitter promoting race and I'm gone, I'm out of the game. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Stephen, why don't we come to you next? Because Imperial Aura, Real Steel and uh, Itchy Feet uh, went uh, to post in that grade two. And it was Imperial Aura who, who stepped up, had a bit of um, improvement to, to make on, on official uh, ratings, but did it with a plum for, for Kim Bailey. Yeah, awesome. He jumps now. That's that's the, the perfect model of a way to jump for me. He's really fast over them, really low. He's not exuberant. Uh, he doesn't stand out too far from them. So if he makes a mistake, he'll be able to steady himself. I just love him, love him, love him, love him. Love to see him in the King George or again come over to Ireland uh, for the Lexus. I'd love to see him up to three miles. I don't think he'd have any problem staying. I don't think they'll do it. And it's a pity because I think a lot of horses, if you look at uh, the likes of, you know, Esper Dallin, any power, size and John, the, 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 the examples are more frequent than those that managed to come back season after season. I think if one season at the top, and this looks like it's it for Imperial Aura, he looks um, every bit as good as the best of them. And I, I just think they should be going for the Gold Cup with him. Um, the Ryanair, no one's going to remember the Ryanair winner. They know that themselves from Imperial Commander. It's all about the Gold Cup. Hopefully they go Gold Cup because this fella is an absolute tool. Yeah, I, I was super impressed. And I think the horses behind, you know, maybe they are 
<clears throat> they've been proven now that they're probably their ratings a little bit vaulted, but Imperial Law has come through and, and put them away. And it was a really good day for, for Kim Bailey as well, Dem. I mean, everyone on this podcast was very keen on First Flow winning as well. And so Imperial Aura and First Flow going in on that card. I mean, kick off with Imperial Aura there. Ryanair, would you would you go up and trip? What would you do? Yeah, doesn't doesn't this performance kind of completely backs up why they why getting rid of the novice handicap chase is probably a good thing, really. Um, you know, yeah. he he won that race last year, and really by by the performances so far this season, he should have been competing in those uh, Grade Ones. So it's um, it's no harm in a way now to have to have that race gone. If a novice wants to go down the handicap route, they can. But the the better novices now will all be going towards the uh, the Grade Ones, which we all want rather than uh, handicap chase. Uh, he he was brilliant, uh, kind of Ryanair or Gold Cup. I I agree with Cass if he's if he's able to stay, well, then you, you kind of should should tilt him this season anyway, kind of at the, the biggest prizes you can. And first flow was absolutely brilliant, Dean. I, I thought he, he kind of, David Bass was a pains not to get there too soon. And he mm. he went away and won quite well then, which, which was a messy enough race at times. So first flow, there's be interesting to see where where he can go because he won that in the uh, in the manner of a horse who, who's well above handicap company so Kim Bailey he really has amassed a very decent kind of stable of, uh, of of horses this season hasn't he yeah nice renaissance for Kim Bailey not that he ever really ran away but he's got a serious um crop in his in his yard at the minute there was some for someone on the card there Wonderwall also won the bumper to uh to bring off my joke tip of last week although I didn't back it and uh and Shangtang won as well at a race that I think David Weldon didn't expect it to run in uh, but it went in I mean uh, a great day for Kim Bailey at, at that meeting there Paddy and the Imperial Aura and First Flow doing the business and then a song for someone uh winning for Tom Simons and Nico de Boinville under a cracking ride as well in that grade too yeah some very good performances on the card Dino. you know I mean a great shout by Dave Weldon because I was knocking Shangtang I've, I've gone off a cliff with this horse in the past and I was willing to leave him on Saturday but fair play he finally backed it up and lovely price as well 94 yeah. good, good shout Dave Weldon and you were very keen weren't you on Imperial Aura 13 day it was a good price in the end really uh, yeah once you see the performance hindsight looks very fair <laughs> I, I just think top and bottom of it he jumped them silly and he had he had good jumpers making mistakes is just how good he was, you know, because Itchy Feet, I don't think he's a bad jumper, but, you know, he really was put to the sword the other day and, and, and his jumping his jumping was, was let him down. Um, first flow, I thought he can jump better. I didn't think it was one of his better performances, but he still managed to win. And he was giving way to the second and she did drop her whip when she was really running strong from the back of the last. And another stride, I think, uh, Amula Gold probably would have been up, but nonetheless, we put him forward. So I was happy that she did drop yeah. the stick, really. And, um, you did mention Wonderwall, who who'd been smashed in the early morning uh, for the Spencer team, and he duly got the job done. Yeah, I purely, I purely did it for the bad joke, though nothing, nothing more than that. And so uh, I can't take much credit for it. But yeah, there was there was some gamble associated with that. Um, a horse that you talked about a lot last year, Paddy, and of course a little bit disappointing in an arc was was well not a little bit disappointing obviously let the side down and Arco was notebook but good to see notebook back uh with a win first time of asking and it looked big as a house to me but always looked pretty big that that beast yeah i didn't see him beforehand did he behave himself beforehand 
Yeah, it seemed to be fine. I didn't see anything anything untoward, um, and almost looked like the race was falling apart. It maybe a step up in trip for Notebook makes sense now. Yeah, I mean, twelve lengths in the end. You know, he beat mm. a very good yardstick in Fakir Dudery, and um, you know, even John Quayley's horse back in third, and he was eleven lengths behind him. So yeah, it was it was a hellish performance. I mean, I would hope maybe mentally that Notebook has come forward a little bit because you know he's rising mm. eight now, and he sort of needs to be. Um, and if he is in a better place mentally, I think ability-wise, he could even take it to another level this year, certainly off the back of that effort the other day. Yeah, I mean, was there any theatrics with it, Stephen Cass, on Notebook? And would you be considering uh, stepping up and trip and avoiding this champion chase uh, group of horses and maybe going elsewhere? I didn't. I was I was working Saturday, so I only watched the full replay, so I don't know about him going down to the start. But between that, going down to the start issue last year, the way he travelled early in the race on Saturday, I didn't like at all. Like Rachel was mm. having to having to kind of roust him along. And Fakir Duderi's was looks the best horse in the race, and I think he's the one to take out of it in terms of stepping up and trip. Like when you look at his Sam Crow form last okay. year, I'd rather him at two and a half. I think that race fell apart. Maybe Fakir kind of needed the run. Cashback fell. Jingle is nowhere near those horses. I don't like Notebook as an animal. Just he's he's too. He's either headstrong or she's rousing him along and he's he's acting up going to the start. I think, in retrospect, that race would have fallen apart and fell into his lap. So, mm. I, 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 I don't know, two and a half, two, whatever. I just I, I couldn't have him. He's not a horse I like. I, yeah, I, I got the impression he wasn't quite ready for it and still won. So, maybe that's a positive. But the way you were saying that, you know, kind of travelled in the early stage of the race, maybe it's, it's a negative too. So, uh, yeah, okay, question mark still to answer about it. And as you say, the race kind of fell apart. Uh, Dermo, talk to me about some of these other Irish ones we were going to cover, likes of Appreciate It and um, Going In and Manella Indo, of course, and Call Me Lyron. Yeah, Call Me Lyron was very good. Uh, we fancied him the, uh, the week before in a slightly easier race uh, and he went in here very very well um, he's a horse that, that they've kind of taught a lot of so far this season where his ceiling is we'll we'll probably find out he's probably not up to the to the kind of top level of the uh, the Irish novice hardest but you just wouldn't know he he won that well I thought the uh, the horse in second uh, Wolf Prince wouldn't exactly be the best form gauge in the world but he won it anyway and he's uh, he's one to take note of he could be one maybe that if he was to get a okay mark he could be one to pop up in a handicap later on this season um mm-hmm. in open company appreciate it was very good didn't have much to beat but i thought his hurling was brilliant really really good and uh indo really great to see him uh, i fancy this horse out of the way for the uh, gold cup this season it's just great to see the the runs get into him i mean even into the rsa last season off the back of a, a race where he badly needed a against Lorena. He beat Captain CJ then afterwards and went straight to the RSA and he definitely needed more experience than he probably had on the day. Um, because as, as Stephen Cass has pointed out afterwards, he, he kind of ran on again afterwards when kind of champion passed him. I think he'll, he'll learn a lot more. He's won two very easy races now, but it's just great to see him out so early. It's great to see him kind of thriving. And um, the Savile's chase at Christmas, you'd imagine, is next for him. And uh, that'll really tell us kind of where he is for the whole season. Um, and just on notebook, um, I think it's just great to see, A, it's just poetry in motion sometimes just to see Henry de Bromhead's horses jumping over two miles. Uh, notebook between fences, I thought, looked like a horse that wanted to go up and trip, but his jumping really kept him in it. He will have needed that run. I wouldn't be as negative on him now as, um, as Stephen Cass is there. I just think that he's, he's definitely difficult, but 
it, like on the main part of his races, he's been absolutely fine. It, it's just been that Arkel really in the last kind of season and a half where he's fallen apart, really. Mm. Um, he's not one to, to back at short odds, obviously, in a big grade one, but he won't ever be those short odds, really, with the, the horses around. I just thought that he needed it and his jumping was just brilliant, that that uh, a staying two-mile chaser is always handy to have in the in the book. So he's one that I wouldn't be overly negative on, but just thrilled to see Manel Endo do what he did do. Good, good stuff. Um, yeah, it's great to see um, Manella Endo come out and do exactly what it did. Uh, Stephen, talk to me about Appreciate It and what they might do with this horse. Obviously, big fancy for the bumper last year, didn't quite come off, but um, gone and won the main hurdle, as you would expect. Um, what does the season hold? Um, I wasn't overly impressed. That race was absolute muck now. Like the second horse, they were 30 lengths clear of the third. The third, the, the, the horse in mind are no good, but like Paddy Corkery trains the second horse there. There was 50 to 1. Like I'm on the local point to point committee with Paddy Corkery. Like he doesn't have a horse, you know, that, that should be competing with a Cheltenham Festival contender. I think the, the, the bumper, you know, it's normally overrated and people seem to say, Last year's bumper was brilliant when horses come out that finish 8th, 9th, and 10th and win average maiden hurdles around fast last and this kind of thing. Like Fernie Hollow was good, but the rest of them in behind that were up close, uh, even Mags Mullins had one run the other day, beaten again in the Mare's maiden hurdle. She was 4th or 5th. Um, there was a horse of Gordon Elias that was beaten in the race by N'Golo. So I don't mm. think the form is working out. The bumper, like you'd struggle to find a load of good horses out of the bumper, and I think Appreciate is really overhyped. And he'll be one you'd be able to. He'll be favourite for some Grade One, uh, coming up, and you really would be able to take him on because I think he did absolutely nothing on Sunday, so he still has it all to prove for me anyway. Like he's six turning seven, he'll be eight as an obs chaser, nine and an open chaser. Why? Well, like mm. he should be going over a fence now. You know he's going to be seven, yeah. he's going to be seven at the fest. So get him over a fence. He's made for it. Mm. There might be a, a season behind with that, but then I guess you don't don't know what kind of situation they're in at home but that makes a lot of sense you know the career is uh, is already a year but behind track paddy a couple more horses i might throw at you from the weekend that perhaps we didn't cover and um, feel free to to comment on appreciate or manella Rindo or, or even uh, call me lyrene but main fact is is quite some training performance from from david pike to go and win that grade three i think it, well, i don't know how many races in the pants now was at nine and then there was a 13 year old in perfect candidate winning that handicap chase again um i mean two two stellar training performances there yeah, that was nine uh, on the bounce for main, yeah. main fact. He looks very well bought out of Diane Sayers now, doesn't he? And I mean, yeah. the other day, not for the first time, you know, you stopped the race turning in. I mean, it was hard to see who who was who because the weather was so bad. But I can tell you he was a long way back um, and got the job done um, very, very nicely. I mean, it's incredible. Like the other day, Fergus Gillard, who does get on very well with this horse, but, you know, his mark now was up to hundred and four Fergus Gillard claims five um you know so it's absolutely incredible and I mean look it was a bit of a war of attrition but nonetheless to me he looked pretty fresh when he pulled up not like some of the the horses in behind you could never got involved and you know there were there were several in the race that were ridden like him but you know they didn't manage to pick up and and seem as comfortable across the line as what he was and yeah it's, it's a real good story isn't it be interesting to see what what they're going to do now yeah 
for sure. Well, they're gonna they're gonna keep going. I mean that that um that performance just you know, reminded me of the the good old days with with the pipe yard and it, the, to pull that off. I thought that was pretty something else. And and also Fergal O'Brien getting perfect candidate to win an absolute war of attrition in that handicap chase at 13 years old shows you that sometimes you know horses just prefer not to be in the field at that point. So all credit to them. Uh, unless anyone has anything else, we're going to wrap up the review at this point. And when we do come back. After the break, it will be Newbury on Friday, be the first port of call. Then we'll go to Newcastle and Newbury for Saturday's TV action. And, of course, a massive Sunday um, at Fairy House. So we'll take a break here. You're listening to the Race Hour podcast, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off offers in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of the race hour. Okay, welcome back to the Race Hour podcast, brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. Paddy Aspel, Stephen Cass and Dermot Nolan joining myself, Dean Ryan. Why don't we get straight stuck into uh, Newbury on Friday. Uh, First race that's going to appear on your telly boxes is the, um, well, it's only a small three-runner field now fiddler on the roof caribbean boy and getaway trump uh, will go to post for the grade two there which is the old berkshire chase and um, paddy i might come to you first I- i'm very keen that fiddler on the roof uh, improves again now getting the experience into him uh, caribbean boy is an interesting rival and getaway trump well sometimes he delivers sometimes he doesn't yeah i mean we gave caribbean boy a good mention um last week but he wasn't declared in the end so obviously this had been the plan all along i mean i thought mm-hmm. Fiddler on the roof, he did show real guts um, the last day because, you know, he it, it was nip and tuck from the back of the last. And he, he did show a good attitude. And, you know, that was off the back of a, a you know, pretty reasonable reappearance. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, as I said last week, I did give this Caribbean boy a good mention. And I do think, obviously, they're, they're pitching him in here at the at the deep end because he's got a bit to find on ratings. Um, you know, one five two Fiddler on the roof, and he's only one four four, but... Yep. Obviously, he's not been the easiest to keep right, Caribbean boy, but I I myself think there's an awful lot of ability in there. And just the fact that Nicky is letting him dip his toe in the water in, 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 in such a warm race on uh, Friday is very, very interesting. And um, I think I'd probably be with the second fav here. Okay. <clears throat> Going against me, I'm a big filler on the roof fan. I'm hoping that this is the day that he, he confirms a little bit more of what I hope to see for the rest of the season. Uh, Derma. Um, I was really looking to take Fiddler on the Roof on over this trip. Um, I really liked the horse, but God, he, he looked like an out-and-out stare last time. Uh, mm-hmm. two, mile, two mile four again here, or two mile three and 187 yards. Like, he wants farther than that. And last time he beat Silver Hallmark by a head. Um, I, I just, I wasn't mad about that performance at all, at all. Um, it, his jumping looks like a stare. He runs like a stare. I, like, I think he wants to go up to, to an RSA-style trip. Mm. really but saying that I don't know what I want to take him on with Caribbean boy I going over over fences here now and then you've got kind of getaway Trump who just hasn't looked like a chaser I know he won last time but he's jumping he just he just isn't scopey at all so Fitter on the roof I was absolutely dying to take him on but I'm not sure there is much to kind of take him on with here he could just get the job done so it's a race to avoid but I think we're just going to learn again on Friday that uh, Fitter on the roof wants a a further trip. Okay, so demo on the fence, Paddy against uh, Stephen Cass. Yeah, I think Fiddler on the Roof will win. I think the more you look back, the Exeter run on first impressions wasn't that good to look at, but when you look back, he actually jumped well. 
battled really well and that's all it'll take this time because I think Caribbean boy whatever about Fiddler on the Roof wanting a trip Caribbean boy is definitely a three more chaser uh, and it was really heavy the day he won at Haydock last year and mm. he was just grinding and slow and I don't think he'll be quick enough um, it looks like it's going to be the good side of good to soft I would imagine in Newbury there's, there's almost no rain forecast a small bit yeah. this morning certainly none before Friday maybe a little on Saturday morning so goodish ground I don't think will suit Caribbean boy therefore uh, fit around the roof but I don't want to be backing him it's slightly adds on so I'll leave it alone yeah, I th- I think the the prices that were around six to four, thirty to eight was was totally acceptable. Fiddler on the roof and three runners left. Yeah, that'd be okay. Is even money best and his odds on everywhere else. You're telling no, me there you go. Lies here now, Dean. Go on. Uh, just uh, that's just the price I got on uh, yesterday. <laughs> Stop. Well, if we're going to do that, I texted the lads last night. I said, lads, this one fifty at Newbury on Friday. There's only going to be three or four runners, and hold the note was jacked up. And I was telling the lads, they oh, this is eleven o'clock last night. Everyone back holding note. We all backed it. Not to clear then this morning. Ah, uh, it's a sickener, isn't it? Yeah. I've been feeling that way about Time Hill, but we're going to get there um, when we do get there. Steam, why don't you kick us off with the 225, which is the handicap chase? There's plenty more to get stuck into here to find an angle. Yeah, this is a good little race. Um, they all have a chance, every single one of them. And the one I'm going to back will be the rag on the day. He's the rag now at 14 to 1, but realistically, I think he could be 2025 on the day. Count Maribel, who has some very good form going back. Uh, he ran Lost in Translation. When Lost in Translation was impressive at Carlisle in that intermediate chase, uh, he was he split him and killed a cert. That was a really good run. He doesn't yeah. like heavy ground then. He kind of underperformed in heavy ground thereafter. The good ground on Friday is really going to suit. He ran last Saturday at Ascot. He jumped the first four. One of them a bit sticky, and he had a soft on seat at the fifth. And this is going to be maybe the worst reason you've ever heard to back a horse in your life. But he ran, you know, when you see that the loose horse, like he, he did, he actually did. Like he, <laughs> he done great. Like maybe the horse will be happy enough, have a bit of confidence. That's only an aside, really, though. Like I think he's he does have the ability off 142. Um, the good ground is really going to suit him. I think he has good, good back form. And because he'll be the rag of the lot, I will I will back Count Maribel. But if you, if you, do, if you do watch it back, it will encourage it. Because he was about... 10 lengths down, uh, coming to the last as, as loose, and he won handy uh, without a job. <laughs> I love that. And, and yeah, Paddy, like, uh, honestly, it sounds mad, but there has to be something in it compared to him just, you know, stopping. What do you think, Paddy? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, I like you, Cass, but the, the, <laughs> I'm going to struggle to run along with that one. Okay. Have a, have a look at the replay. <laughs> it shows the horse has its own enthusiasm for the game. I think that's yeah. about all you can take from it. I, I fancy Pobbles Bay there at the weekend, as we talked about on the on the podcast last week, and uh, that managed to win the race as well after a bit of a soft unseat after four fences. And me and my little boy were delighted with the horse coming home in front, although don't get don't get paid. Um, but yeah, okay, fascinating. That's Count Maribel for Stephen Cass. Uh, Paddy, why don't you go next? Uh, for me. I thought, although he needs to reverse the, the places with Clondall Castle or Grangewood from the the old run at, at Aintree, yeah. I think enough went wrong for old Grangewood because he's got to be delivered pretty late in the day. And that's a very long run from the back of the ditch at Aintree down to the last. And I just thought he arrived on on the job probably just early enough for him, uh, the way things panned out in the day. And I thought he ran okay. Um, you know, he was very good in this last year. And this is the type of horse... You know I've banged on about this before, lads. Harry Skelton excels on. Just waiting, saving, waiting, saving. 
I mean, he did win this last year off one three five. He's one four seven now, but he's still only nine. Um, like I said, he's got a real good course record all Grangewood, so I think he's pretty solid for me. Yeah, he's super consistent type as well. Like always runs his race. If he's not winning, he's still going uh, within the realms. He's still there at the finishing um, in the, the business end, I should say. Demo, over to you. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with Paddy. Um, I mean, when you look through through this horse's record, he tends to improve a lot as well from his first run uh, last season. He was third to Riders in the Storm and then went on and he beat Kalashnikov, then beat St. Calvados. And then he was just three and a half lengths behind Simply the Best at, um, at the Shetland Festival. This horse has some seriously strong form and he's, he's very good here at the track and he's definitely one of my more uh, confident picks for the whole weekend. Okay, uh, another vote then for Old Grangewood. I, I'd be interested in one of the outsiders there and what's wrong with you slipped to a really nice mark. Actually, as uh, okay form at Newbury, a bit um, over hurdles and the game's kind of fallen away from the horse. But um, first time back, I wonder if there'll be any, uh, any uh, interest in what's wrong with you. I'm hoping that that will run well enough at a big price. But uh, a decent race that on Friday to get stuck into and a couple of fancy account Maribel and Old Grangewood for the panel on here. Um Probably the best race of the afternoon on Friday and the one I'm definitely most looking forward to. The likes of Paisley Park, McFabulous, who is a up-and-coming star for, for Paul Nichols, Somerville Boy, Time Hill, Liz Nagar Roscoe won the stayers last year. Dermo, um, there's more runners than that in this in this race. It's the long-distance hurdle, of course, at Newbury at 3 o'clock. Yeah, this is this is a, a very good renewal of this thing, and it kind of boils down to, in a way, whether you have faith that uh, the explanations given for Paisley Park last season um, will kind of let you just forgive that run at Cheltenham because, you know, he lost his two shoes and he's a heart issue on the day. He lost three shoes, didn't he? Um, so you can, if you're a forgiving punter, can can completely see why, you, why you'd back him here. But I'm kind of taking a flyer here with uh, with Sam Spinner at uh, at 16 to 1. This horse isn't a chaser. He just isn't. He, I, I know he's won races over fences, but he just he always hits one and he always looks in trouble over fences, really. Um, but even at that, he was still good enough last season to beat the likes of Windsor Avenue, who's a good horse team. And, mm. um, you know, he's he's put together some very smart performances like that. He was only three and a half lengths behind Paisley Park at Cheltenham that day. Now, I know Paisley Park came from a world behind, but still, he's a very consistent horse. And he, has, he, he gets six pounds from... Paisley Park, he gets £6 from Somerville Boy. He runs here off 11 stone. Going back to hurdles makes absolutely perfect sense. He never travelled last time, but uh, I forgive him that. And I just think that uh, Sam Spinner at 16 to 1 is just working each way play here in a race that these these races can throw up funny results. And I'd like to see uh, Sam Spinner go, go well once again. Yeah, probably a race is set up nicely for an each-way option here with the doubts that still exist around Paisley Park, Stephen Cass. Yeah, I can totally see that angle on Sam Spinner. Um, you know, you can you can kind of forgive all those chase runs and he is a good hurdler and he was it was it was last seen over hurdles, was second in the world hurdle or something. So can definitely see it. Um, this division, I can never make head or tail of it. Paisley Park, I wouldn't fancy backing him. McFabulous doesn't look like a stayer to me, but Paul Nichols says this is going to be a gold cup horse. All he's going to do is stay, but he's very free going, uh, and he's a half to um, waiting patiently. He's also a free going type, so he could be a bit too gassy to get this three miles. Uh, maybe he will in time, and uh, maybe he'll bolt up if he does uh, settle and do it. But I wouldn't like to be backing him either. Um, of the ones at the front. Time Hill is the one you might take a chance on, but Hobbs is yard going great again. Look, I'm not going to waste time. I, it's not a division I like. Um, 
going in behind Jarmo Sam Spinner. He's looking good. Okay, uh, another another tentative vote there for Sam Spinner at a big enough price in a race that um, probably plays into an each way angle. I think Time Hill is uh, remarkably overpriced. I know he has to step forward, but I fully expect him to off the back of the the form last year and that Albert Bartlett run. Paddy, over to you. Um, I think I'd probably be. You know, I do like Liz Nagar Oscar, and although yeah, they sort of said he was disappointed on return. I mean. He was upsides, literally going down to the last. Now, he did get very tired from the back of the last, but I thought he was given a real, real nice comeback ride by Adam Wedge that day. And, um, you know, I think he could really come forward from that run. But I think, for me, McFabulous, he's won his bumper here. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting that, that Nichols does think that this horse is, is a horse who's going to see a trip out. He is... A very strong traveller. Uh, he's got plenty of boot, there's no doubt. Uh, but, you know, he, he beat a horse with plenty of experience the last day and beat him well, um, Fabulous. And you look down to his form, he's got some very, very tidy form in the book. And I certainly think he's worthy of his, his rating of 153 here. So probably just the, the up-and-coming younger legs here, six-year-old McFabulous. Okay, a vote for McFabulous there. All of us a little bit wary of uh, Paisley Park, even at you know a price that... Perhaps would would encourage those that have been on the Paisley Park train for for some time and only got let down at Cheltenham last year. I I still think Time Hill is one of the better bets of the weekend. Um, at the price that he is now, I think it's an each way play. Um, and definitely plenty of upside there. What about the three thirty five paddy? Fascinating horse Hill sixteen. They've got this entered up all over the place. Mm. Uh, Nigel and Sam Twist and Davies is is going to head the market if this is is where they go with the handicap hurdle. Yeah, he's got other entries, hasn't he? Um, mm. But. Very shrewd bit of buying from Sue Smith, really, because the one thing about this horse is, obviously, he won over fences the other day, but his record over hurdles is very, very good as well. Do you know I mean? He's never been out of the money, um, Hill 16. Obviously, he won't have been cheap out of Sue Smith's, and he won't have had an easy life there either. So to improve him from there again is incredible. But, I mean, obviously, it was over fences the other day, which he won off a mark of um, one two six. Obviously, he'll have gone up from there, so but he gets to run off his hurdle mark here, which is one, two, three. So, effectively, this horse is £10 well in. Um, but, you know, obviously, he's got to prove it back over the smaller obstacles, but could be a real, real tidy bit of place in this. Could be, yeah. And like you say, pick up a few options. Um, so, Hill 16 heading that market there, and I think must have must have a very live chance. Dan Murphy, of uh, the old favourites are in here as well, likes of Del Arker and Lil Rockefeller uh, could line up and take on this Twist and Davis horse. Yeah, uh, everything Paddy said there, the, to improve a Sue Smith horse does does take a lot of doing, isn't it, Paddy? Because Paddy did, I think you mentioned this in an old podcast when we used to do the race caller podcast. Those horses up there and they're kind of they're with Sue Smith where they actually train, they're, they're real, real tough horses up there, aren't they? Because that's a real open terrain that they train on up there, Paddy. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when you see them on the TV, they never stand out and look that well simply because of where they're trained. It's a very cold part of the country, but they're hard, hard fit. And, yeah, and, like, because to to improve a horse from there is huge. And, obviously, this horse could be seriously well handicapped here and could win. But the the one I was kind of interested in was... Um, was lover by Dean for Alan King. Um, moved from Colin Tizer to Alan King. Has kind of had, has had a few houses now. Uh, went to Dan Skelton, then went to Tizard, then went to Alan King, according to the Racing Post. And that was a a good win first time out at Chepstone. Last time you you kind of forgive that effort, but he was still only uh, 
five lengths behind Mr. Scrumpy. And at 12 to 1 or so, I just thought he was worth a bet here, especially with the uh, Jack Tudor, who just continues to impress, uh, taking another three pounds off. So whilst there's, you could definitely back the Hill 16 and the pure potential there, but a two to one, it looks skinny enough. And a horse like Loverboy for Alan King, who is going well, uh, could just up, upset the day. Okay, Loverboy for Dermo. Um, Stephen, have a go. Um, yeah, it, Dermo said two to one there, but there's, there's three to one. There's 130 there about um, Hill 16. Like power is yep. two to one, but I think three to one is probably a fair price. Like the recent post of his hurdle mark, at one three three, so I'm not sure was that um, reassessed on the back of the the win the last day because he's running off one two three here. So if he hits ten pounds well in three to one to be fair, um, yeah. But uh, so yeah, probably probably three to one hill sixteen is a fair price. And if I was going to chance one, um, it's he and he is a chancer. You'd only back him with only it's Cord Leon, who's a very good horse. Like he won at Ascot, uh, at at Royal Ascot over two and a half mile on good. Three miles should be his trip over hurdles, and he hasn't done it much. He's kind of a moody type. He's always held up out the back. And some days he jumps really well and gets into the race, and some days he doesn't. But he definitely, definitely has the ability to win this off 131. Um, I think the flat track will suit him. I think he'll be held up out the back, and there should be plenty of pace on here. So I would give Cordley on a win-only chance. He's kind of around 12 to 1. Uh, he's yep. going to do it. Another Alan King dart in that race. Tom Bellamy dropped up on that one, and uh, Jack T- Tudor taken off the three on uh, Loverboy. Um, the Cashelman's going to interest me at some point this season. Don't know what's happened to it for Nicky Henderson in the last two rides because um, it's been back down the field at Chepstow and at Kempton. But previous newbie form behind Time Hill and, uh, and and with an easy victory over Mr. Pumblechook, if you can go back to the uh, winter of 2019, um, there, there was a future there in that horse. Don't know what happened to it, but 14 to one. Uh, back at Newbury would interest me a little bit. Three mile is definitely still a question mark uh, for that horse. Okay, let, why don't we move on to uh, Saturday? Uh, Derma, I might let you go first. I mean, we continually talk about T Clipper on here. One because he won one of the first races of the season that we uh, we talked about that kind of fell apart in the day, and uh, has been entered up pretty much every time we've talked uh, on this podcast since. And T Clipper looks like it'd be market leader for um, the 150 at Newbury, uh, the handicap hurdle, the class two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every single weekend, uh, this horse has entered, and he's been kind of jacked up a lot too, but then doesn't seem to yeah. kind of show up. Um, so it is very kind of interesting to see what, what kind of happens there. That silver trophy that he won did fall apart um, some yeah. bit, really. I mean, flash to see, flash to steal. I nearly fancied to overturn that form, and he fell last time um, when a 14 to 1, and you'd forgive that kind of run because it just, you know. It can happen, but in third, uh, Flink in third, he's been beaten since. Uh, the horse in fourth, he's been beaten since. Sir Psycho in fifth, he's been beaten since. Well beaten all yeah. these horses. Um, yeah. Cotswold's way in sixth, again, was kicked out of the way afterwards as well. Um, all lower grade races. So whilst T Clifford won, he won a race that kind of completely fell apart. And I think you have to take him on, to be honest. Um, the, the rest of the field... It, Obviously, we don't know exactly who's running it, but the the, the one that did interest me was uh, Christopher Wood. Um, he should improve for, for that last run, and this horse was taught well enough last season to take on St. Y in the county hurdle, and he's um, he won there after a Pontefract on the flat. He comes into this, um, he should have his hurdling should improve now, and at eight to one or so for Paul Nichols, he just looks a typical five-year-old for. Paul Nichols will just continue to improve and I think there's an off, 
awful lot of upside in him off a mark of 142 considering what he's done so far and how high up that they clearly fancy this horse. I mean, he's taken on Epitant in the front one off 10 to 1. He's taken on Fusel Raffles. They clearly think that this horse is a good horse. And last time, I would forgive that run. Um, he, after 124 days off, he just looked a bit stuffy at the end. And I think at 8 to 1, uh, he's a lot more value of 142 than T-Clipper is of 141. Okay, okay. Uh, a vote there for Christopher Wood. Uh, good case made as well by Dermanon. It's a real compressed-looking uh, handicap at the top here, Stephen. Yeah, it's a good little race. I do think the entries will, will fall apart a bit. There's a lot of them double-entered. Um, like Flash the Steel ran recently. Uh, Floresa has double-entered, so it might cut up a little bit. Um, but the one I like is is Solo Saxophone, who used to be with the great DK Weld. Uh, went to Dan Skelton, but Ben Haslam, since he has him, has absolutely turned him inside out. He's ran seven or eight times on the flat. He's won three of them. He's gone from a rating of 72 up to 98. So this is nearly a 100-rated horse on the flat. He's only 132 over hurdles, and he does have some decent hurdles for him. So given the tune that Ben Haslam is, is knocking out of him, and given the fact they gave this fella a fighting fifth entry, now off 132, surely he's going to run here and not mm. in the fighting fifth. So I just think at 12-1, to 1, I definitely think he's worth chancing. He's still only six, you know. They could knock a bit more improvement out of him. Um, he's really doing a good job with this horse's confidence. So at 12-1, he'd be a hopeful enough selection now, solo saxophone. Okay, Ben Haslam, solo saxophone, uh, double-figure price there in uh, the 150 at Newbury um, for Stephen Cass. Paddy, over to you. Yeah, I'm glad Stephen Cass has mentioned this boy, solo saxophone, because I'm in full agreement. I mean, he is only six-year-old, remember, and I mean... Even that run at York was a massive run where he was beaten, only beaten a neck by the jam man. He gave the jam man a stone and then he won next time at Newmarket over two mile on heavy ground by seven lengths. Now, that was at the end of October, so obviously it will have left a mark. But they've given this horse time. I've not seen him over hurdles for 501 days. It's an interesting bit of place and you'd imagine this will surely be the option over the fighting fifth um, in, in what is a very good renewal of the fighting fifth. So you'd imagine here for 11 stone one that Ben Hazem will be taking this horse to, to Newbury on Saturday. Okay. Two big votes for solo saxophone. I, I'd be inclined to, uh, to, to row in with that. It's a decent enough case made and also Christopher Wood uh, for Demo. But T Clipper, although the form in behind doesn't look all that uh, good, did do it very readily there. Do think it's a worthy favourite and they've been patient with where they go next with uh, Tom Lacey's, uh, five-year-old T-Clipper. So I do think you have a worthy favourite, but I can understand taking on, um, taking him on with a bit of value elsewhere because of uh, the, the the makeup of that form uh, when he won at Chepster. Okay, why don't we move on to the fight in fifth then, Paddy? I mean, you said it's a very good renewal. It's uh, it's Epitant at the top of the market, as you'd expect, the rejuvenated uh, So Royale. Uh, Silverstreak, of course, who's, who's been and done it in these in these kind of parties before. And uh, it likes a cornerstone lad, of course, who's a, a previous winner of the race. I mean, what, what did you make of the fight in fifth is it all about one horse or perhaps not well i mean obviously nicky richards has said probably his horse is one of the best he's ever had uh which is you know it's a fair old shout um but even although look there was very little to be gleaned from the gallops around newbury the other day Epitant, I thought, looked a million dollars. I mean, look, mm. the times and, and and the figures, whatever, were are, are irrelevant, really. But she did come out uh, well on top. And, I mean, she, she looked very fresh and well on the day. And um, I think she will take 
the beating here, there's no value in her at, at, at four to seven, unfortunately. So I'd probably be looking at the each way here and I'd probably go Ribble Valley. But I do think Epitant is a very, very worthy favourite. Aidan Coleman gets gets the leg up on Epitant again, hoping to keep his 100% record. And yeah, very solid favourite, but at four to seven wouldn't, wouldn't really interest me and I'd be looking each way at Ribble Valley. Okay. Uh, Stephen, a race that interests you? Yeah, definitely interested in terms of watching it, but I think the market is right. I think four to six Epitant is arguably fair, but she is a mare, and I'm always very wary of mares uh, to keep her going season after season. So mm. she could get turned over. Um, it's very rare that horses stay going season after season and keep winning. You know, they're not they're not machines, as they say. So, but that's your hope with it. Like you know, So Royale isn't champion hurdle standard. Silver Streak isn't. He's he's good enough to be placed. Ribble Valley's only rated 147, so he's a mm. big step up to go, even though he does look like a bit of a travelling thing. But like, Nicky Richards is saying he's a cha- he's going to go chase him with him. He still says the horse is seven, turning eight. I don't know what he's doing. But he's his second run after a wind up. Um, I could see him doing it, but the eight to one is a terrible price for Ribble Valley when he's so much to find. You know, he's over a stone mm. to find. So you'd want 14 to one to bother backing him. So I'll be leaving the race alone. Okay, Dema? Yeah, same. Um, just think Epitaph wins, but I definitely wouldn't be backing at uh, any horse at 4-6, to six, really. Um, but uh, definitely not Epitaph. Uh, I think she wins, but I have no interest in having a bet in the race. Day. Okay. Um, fascinating viewing, perhaps, rather than punting uh, for that contest. Um, Stephen, why don't you kick us off with the 225 at Newbury? We've got the intermediate hurdle there. It's the listed contest where uh, a couple um, that perhaps were going to run last week and... and didn't go because of various ground changes and stuff like that. Likes of Time White for Paul Nichols uh, is probably an interesting horse here. And Marie's Rock uh, for Nicky Henderson. It could be anything still. We're not quite sure. You know, similar marks obviously apply to them. And they're enlisted company. Yeah, this is always a good race. There's always a few good horses targeted at it. Um, I thought Botox House was good at Cheltenham. The Pinkin has a four-pound swing on him. So you can make a case for the Pinkin at like four or five times the price of the other fella. But the one yeah. that I think could end up being the best horse in the race is Nicholson and he's a big price at 14 to 1 Ollie Murphy in a stable tour uh, said that this horse has the most ability of any horse that he's ever had in his care now that's a fair thing to say Ollie Murphy has a lot of good horses there and a lot of 155 160 horses so yep. this fella's running off actually don't have it in front of me he's running off 135 134 and yep. he was 5 length second to Ribble Valley the last time and he was what I liked about him was his jumping was only okay. He needs to improve his jumping. But he really was, while Ribble Valley bolted up, he was coming back, not coming back at him at the line, but he really grounded out to the line very well. Like from the back to the last to the last, I'd say he did the same time as Ribble Valley. So I'm not, I do like trainer quotes and reading between the lines. Um, I wouldn't get too carried away with hyperbole. But 14 to 1, if this is the best horse Ali Murphy's ever had, running off 134, 14 to 1 is a great price. And yep. sorry, the other I, thing to say is, uh, after he won last season, at the end of last season, and in the stable tour, Ali um, Murphy said he would go for the race. He was behind Ribble Valley as a prep for the Jerry Field, and here he is. So this is this definitely is has been the target. Sounds like everything is going to plan, and that's always nice. I, I I'm a big uh, a big fan of the, the reading between the lines and the stable quotes as well. So I'd be, I'd be uh, all over that if I'd have read it. But now you've told me, I don't need to. So Nicholson sounds like a sounds like a punt here, Demo. 
Yeah, most certainly does. Um, I probably will be following that now. That's that's a great case uh, by Stephen Cass. Uh, really, really good. Um, he's yeah, he's he's very interesting. I'll be following that in with an old fiber or tenor anyway. But I was um, I really liked uh, the horse that 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 he he'd mentioned before as well. Botak has. I thought that was a really good performance last time. Um, just just grounded out. That was a good race. And I know races here off top weight, but is clear on ratings for a reason uh, this horse is only four years old Can't, there, there's still a lot of improvement in this beast yet as well and I just think uh, Botak has once they he will have to give weight around weight away all around obviously um, is still the the best horse in this race I think and uh, at eight to one off top weight I'll be happy to throw in behind him Okay, Botox has for Gary Moore and Joshua Moore. Um, obviously, we've heard the case already made for Nicholson. Paddy Aspel, what do you think? I mean, there's a couple of sexy ones at the top and none more so uh, than Marie's Rock. Yeah, for sure. Um, and Marie's Rock, three and three. Uh, very <clears throat> good, strong travelling mare. I'm not seen her for 334 days, but you would think that there's room to manoeuvre off a mark of oh, one yeah. four one. Yeah. Um, I, I, that's probably what jumps out most at me this is red hot this it really is such a fantastic race and I remember seeing the horse that Stephen Cass mentions Nicholson that day he won at Wincanton he looked very impressive uh, he's a proper big athlete of an animal um, and maybe probably hasn't run to the level um, you know that Connections thought he would do since then but nonetheless he could certainly be the fly in the ointment um, but for me I think of 141 um, if the runner here I think there's there's loads of scope for improvement off that sort of mark, boys. Yeah, Marie's Rock is is a fascinating one, and the market is highlighting that obviously two to one with some very very nice animals uh, in behind in the betting, and it's eleven to two the rest of them, including Time White, who of course um, skipped the the Greatwood for, for for now to come and run here. So um, yeah, that's one of the one of the better races of the weekend for sure. A fascinating contest, Paddy. I'm going to let you go first uh, with the big race of Saturday, which is the Labrooks Trophy. Um, the market has uh, well, it hasn't really made a made a decision. If I write the conditional vindication, Black Op, Kildasar, Copperhead, you could almost throw a blanket over these. Sam Brown, it's kind of like eight, nine to one, ten to one. Those lot. Yeah, and and, and rightly so. It is wide open. Um, I mean, there's one or two in here. I mean, the likes of Copperhead, literally, he, he barely came out of a hack on reappearance um, at Weatherby the last day. So. I really would be put off him. The conditional is very, very likable. Great buy by David Bridgewater out of Ireland. Um, whatever they paid for him, he's, he's proved exceptional value. And he knows how to win this horse. Um, and I think he's become a bit of a fan's favourite as well. So he'd certainly be there with every chance. Um, but for me, you know, I'm a big Vindication fan. I certainly wasn't too impressed with the way he schooled around Newbury the other day. Um, I think he only jumped four or five fences down the back, but... By the time he'd gotten to the third one, I'd shut my eyes because he was getting longer and longer. But yeah. when they spoke with Kim Bailey afterwards, he said, look, that's him. He's gassy. He's he, he does get fresh and he's a horse they need to keep the revs down on. So, But he's got a great constitution, this horse. I think he's very hard to bottom out. I know he has got 11-11, but Dave Bass is jocked up. Um, and for me, I do like this chap now. He has got yeah seven starts over fences. I just wanted this horse to get more and more experience. I think mentally he still is a little bit backward, but he's very, very talented. 
Yeah, he certainly is. And it's uh, it's terrifically sporting to see a horse like Vindication after that run uh, with surname uh, be jocked up and, and ready to take them all on uh, with the big weight, Stephen Cass. Yeah, they're mad. Like, what are they doing running Vindication <laughs> in this? Just find a race from right-handed. Do you know, like, it's King George is there. That's right-handed. Why don't they run in that? I just... It, the, the, the way he jumped that gallop and as well in the Charlie Hall like I fancied in the day in the Charlie Hall we raised the issue that he's not as good potentially going left handed and he was so slow at all his jumps in the Charlie Hall so yeah could, couldn't have him even though I love him but I, could, I just couldn't have him I don't know what they're doing there it's just crazy it doesn't seem to be the best thing for the horse now I would at the same time if he goes and wins I, I really like him so hopefully he will but I think um, yeah it's just madness what they're doing like I write is the the obvious one um, we talked about him even before the Charlie Hall for this race. You um, put him up for this race, Stephen. I mean, you suggested that that was the. Well, I the wish bet you would have showed me that. I didn't want to have to bring it up myself, of course, Dean. <laughs> no, no, you, I wanted to bring it up. Do you remember uh, the price? Can we mention that? You should have mentioned thirty-three that to one. I oh, think he was, 40, he was forty to one. Forty to one. <laughs> I know, but um, like he, I, I thought he got off fair enough getting four pounds for the charlie hall that was a very good run that he was. was he was entitled to be up there turning in but at the same time i don't care that he was rated 146 it takes a really good horse to be up there with surname and vindication jumping the last uh, a horse that certainly has the ability to be running in the mid 150s so he definitely has the ability but he's well found in the market now at the same time eight to is a perfectly fair price but it's a big day for Callum Bewley. Like he doesn't ride that many winners down south. So um, look, I hope I right goes and wins it. Uh, I have backed him at the bigger prices. I think he's a right chance. I think eight to one still fair. And the other one I like. Uh, well, I did like Copperhead. I talked about Copperhead for this race back back in February or March, but that run was just rotten the last day, and I wouldn't yeah. back the stolen money now. Uh, he just fell out the back of the telly, and the horse almost pulled himself up after being going going along nice. So. He he has to go and prove himself to me now. He looks like he's souring on himself uh, after that run. And the other one I have backed and I'm going to back again at 33 to 1 is Le Bagua, who, if you watch the Charlie Hall, was going really well with the other three turning in and then just got a bit tired, finished fifth. She's down a few pounds again. She's a six pound swing or a seven pound swing with Die Wright. Um, she's now down to 145. Dual grade one winner. She's by a mile the best horse in Warren Greatrix's yard. Um, I just thought there was a spark there in the Charlie Hall. The time before it, I think it was Kelso or so I can't remember where she ran on season and debut, but she was coming to the last there, had every chance of winning the race. Uh, I thought there was plenty of sparkle in the Charlie Hall. And I think if she can rediscover her best form, 33 to 1 is huge. But there's a, just such a big worry over the Warren Greatrix yard. Like you'd want to see the couple of horses he has run on Thursday and Friday run well. Because they are just running stink, absolutely stink. Um, like he's he's had it's the last two weeks he hasn't had a horse get closer than twelve lengths. Like they've been mm. twenty six lengths, twenty lengths, forty eight lengths, thirty four lengths pulled up, thirteen lengths, twelve lengths, twenty one lengths pulled up, pulled up, twenty four lengths. So there's something wrong in the yard. But she's a massive price, and she has shown herself in good form. So I'd give her a good chance at thirty threes as well. Okay, on a day, uh, uh, super classy mares. We know on her day, said, beating the likes of top of the game on her day. She's yeah, been lost in transition. Exactly. She's three from three at Newbury as well. That's the one thing I forgot to say. She loves Newbury, so if they can get her there at peak, she has a right chance. 
Okay, the Bagarwa to go with that, uh, well, which was a stellar anti post pick um, at 40 to 1. Can you cut out the bit where I was trying to get her to say it that she was 40 to 1? Because I feel like an absolute tit now. Well, no, um, yeah, I remember the I remember the thirty threes, but we'll we'll, we'll have the forties. It's eight to one now, anyway. If anyone isn't on the boat, but hopefully a few of the listeners are on are on that train already. Dermot, I'll let you have a go before I tell you who's going to win the Labyrinth. <laughs> Cheers, Dean. Um, I like to um, unlike Stephen Cass, I I really liked Secret Investor for this when we fancied him for the Chepstow or uh, to win last time with Chepstow, Dean. Yeah, and I said afterwards that I think he. he He'd run well in this race. He he, he was twenty five to one on that occasion, and now yeah, twenty fives. Of course, I never put a penny on. Never put a penny. Yeah. On. So it's uh, yeah, it was it was absolutely moronic. But I think uh, Secret Investor is a horse who who's just been steadily improving. Real typical Paul Nichols improver. That was a big run behind uh, Native River last season. Now, of course, Native River is not not what he once was, but this horse is uh, was absolutely brilliant last time at Chepstow. Jumped a bit right at times, which which would kind of slightly concern you, but I'm willing to forgive him because that was his his first time really ever doing that. I mean, he's he's run well here at uh, at Newbury in the past, as I've said, when he didn't show any of that. So hopefully that was just a once off. But he's been rather found now in the market at twelve to one, and I disagree on Copperhead. Um, Copperhead's my main fancy for this race. I can forgive that run last time, Joe. Uh, when we speak about reading between the lines with. Uh, trainers that yard is sponsored by by coral i believe it is and before that run joe tizard put up a a video on twitter like he always does just kind of previewing the runners and he said exactly what happened to copperhead would happen he said that this was a prep run the horse will will run well for a long time and then he's going to get very tired and that's exactly what happened adrian heskin pulled him up the fact that robbie power came over to ireland that day to ride uh, to ride instead of uh, staying to ride this horse kind of said it all he went off 12 to 1 they just they really didn't fancy him that day and he he went out like a light but again the trainer's um, son who will be the trainer in time obviously did say exactly that right before the race so I really can forgive that because before that like like you're talking about a brilliant win here over course and distance and for the trends in the race was I wouldn't be the biggest trends man. He takes an awful lot of trends, you know, um, Colin Tizard, Nicky Henderson or Paul Nichols, they've won eight of the last 17 renewals of this, all the last seven horses who've won this race. They've all had, um, had prep runs and uh, he's the right age at six years old. And just there's an awful lot here as in he's in the, the right bracket between six and eight. And he's, there's an awful lot right for Copperhead. Colin Tizard's horses were running like absolute morons at the time as well. They they really weren't picking up. So I think there's an awful lot to forgive about that last run. And um, I think a 10 to 1 here for what he's shown in his career running off 11 stone 2. Um, if the weights stay as they are, I think there's an awful lot of upside in Copperhead. And he could be the the kind of the one of these who could develop into a Gold Cup horse thing. Okay, so uh, yeah, a contrasting view on Copperhead and uh, and a shout for Secret Investor, although that price has uh, contracted a good bit since you first mentioned it, Demo and Fairness. Um, but Secret Investor and uh, Copperhead. Um, okay, the winner of the, the Labyrinth this year, I'm hoping, and I think we flagged it up on the very first podcast of the year, is the conditional. Um, and I'm a little bit concerned. The only concern I have is Bridgie was in uh, the press this week saying they hope they'll run well um, but you know in such a competitive race you can't hope that you'd win I would like to have heard him a little bit more confident about that and obviously no prep run Demo you hired the angle 
um, that you do kind of need a prep run coming in here. There's two horses though that that frighten me. Vindication, um, if his jumping can be slicker, it has to has to go close. The old team of form is there in the in the book with the conditional and they're, they're very closely matched still. Kildasar, I'm not too concerned about for, for Ben Pauling and Nico de Boinville, although that is very obviously coming from the same bit of form. And the other horse that mildly concerns me is I wasn't that put off with the way Danny Wisbang ran in snatches at Wincanton. And I still think there's plenty of upside of that horse of one, four, five, but I'm all in on the conditional uh, um, good prices. And Demo, you mentioned Copperhead might be able to step forward and, and, and handle a Gold Cup if if this race comes to plan. I certainly think the Conditional is one of those horses. And of course, Vindication is already thought of as, as the, one of those horses. So I mean, it's a fascinating contest. We've we've spun through them. Um, Paddy, pretty keen on Vindication. Uh, the couple there for Demo with Copperhead and Secret Investor. And uh, I write and the bag the bag yeah, flying the flag for Stephen Cass. So you know, one of us is going to have a good day. Hope, <laughs> hopefully, we go, we go we go close. And uh, everyone, good luck with your picks in that race because that is a fascinating race of the weekend. Uh, a horse that really interests me coming up at Newcastle in that three fifteen, which is uh, if you've still got any breath left after the, the Labrook is run, is uh, is Pim for Nicky Henderson. Paddy, I might come to you first because Pim was super exciting. I thought at Sandown and um, doesn't often back up completely, but last time. Um, when winning beating highest son at Ascot back in November, then followed that up by slamming Imperial Aura. If you take out the couple of pulled ups in the race, um, Pim could be seriously um, nicely in for this around seven to one. Yeah, and I mean he beat the Fav in if the cap fits the last day, where when it came down to it, his jumping was very very solid. Um, mm. Pim and like he hasn't got any other entries, so you'd imagine he's going to come up eleven stone six on his back and. I mean, he's only a seven-year-old, uh, Pim, and this will just be his seventh start over fences. I think he is pretty solid, um, but this is a real attritional race. I mean, I've had a few goals in this, and I'll tell you one thing. To say it is only a three-mile race, you know, the way it's run, generally it's a very big field. It's a proper grueler. You know, that's why the likes of you, lad, um, previous winner, he's back here for more, but he's rising 11 now, but very talented horse. Are you sure he did win it? A couple of years ago um but there was one here i thought was maybe worth a go i thought he ran okay the last day um was cool mix of ian jardines he's jumped mm-hmm. up connor farrell is back on board um you know he's only going to have 10 stone like i said this is a proper grueler and maybe that could be what it comes down to um maybe just having a lighter weight on your back and cool mix he has won at this track before he's not entirely the most consistent um but I think he showed enough the last day to think that he can still be competitive of one three two, but yeah, it, it's not one for the faint-hearted. This okay, jocked up though, as you say, Conor O'Farrell uh, for Ian Jardine. That's cool mix in there, Stephen. I let you go next. Um, uh, how is your how is your view of the rehearsal chase looking? Um, it's not a, a race I'd have a good handle on, but uh, I, I fancied Watmore the last day he ran, and he was beaten by a core specialist in Ascot and Regal Encore. I think the form of Cheltenham Festival win is good. The only worry is he's creeping up in the weights without winning. But Henry Daly, stay in chasers. This is what he's made for. Uh, I think 66-1 is is perfectly fair. And he should run a very big race. So what more for me? What more for Stephen Castema? Uh, yeah, Dean, this, this is a tough race. <laughs> Always is. And I just thought the easiest angle into this was if uh, Cloud again, Glenn shows up. Um, as Paddy said, you, like, 
I watched the last few renewals of this race. This is a desperate race, and Venetia Williams tends to do very well in it. I thought Cloudy Glenn showed that he was a real out-and-out stayer last time at Fontwell. I know he goes up 11 pounds, but he, he just looked to have kind of figured himself out on that occasion. And whilst he runs here for 145, the horses that are high in the handicap will kind of keep him down weight-wise. And I just thought that uh, Cloudy Glenn will just keep on kicking there for for Venetia and could just be very hard to catch, but it's not a race that I'd, uh, I'd be investing an awful lot into. Okay, I'd definitely be getting involved if Pim uh, does line up. I think it's possible that Pim could outclass a few of these, albeit I'm now mindful of how attritional this is. And 11 stone six uh, won't be much fun round there, but I just think it's got a little bit of a class angle there. And if Nicky Henderson goes to Newcastle, um, I'll be getting on board with Pim. Demo, you mentioned Venetia Williams. What about um, Iblio in the 335 at Newbury that kind of wraps up the TV stuff on uh, Saturday? Because it could be a, a you know, a, what is there? 20 minutes between the races, 15 minutes between the races could be a, a quick Venetia double then. Yeah, Iblio looks looks a decent bet here, especially with how Amula Gold backed up that run last time. Um, I thought Iblio at 7-2, to two, there is just going to be, it's just going to happen one Saturday. The ground might need to be a bit worse maybe than than it might be on, on Saturday. But Venetia Williams tends to kick into these Saturdays and just takes off then from a certain point. And it does look like it's getting close. Her her horses are running very well. Um, but this horse has been really steadily improving. One twice last season, second at Huntington. And that second by a short head to Amula Gold was just really well franked last time. Uh, jumps really well. Um, has form on the ground. So I don't think there's there's any concern about any ground really with this horse. And um, the as far as, uh, as just kind of going, obviously would... For it's softer, but when you look back through his career, has has handled the good going, and um, Iblio just based off that run last time should should take a lot of stopping here. Dude. Okay, Iblio um, could be bringing up a, a quick fire double there with Cloudy Glen in the in the Newcastle race, um, then quickly followed with the Newbury contest. There was a couple of horses in here that I thought were interesting. The King of May for Brian Ellison has dropped up with Nico de Boinville. I think there's plenty more to come from that one. That's off one, three, four. And the other one was not Chapare. Ran pretty well, I thought, Aintree behind the big bite last time. Just made a Horlicks of a mistake as getting into the race. And uh, both of those at double figures would be interesting to me. Be interesting to see whether not Chapare gets dropped up and does run for Ollie Murphy. But the King of May is one uh, that I'd be looking to take forward at some point this season. It looks like that's where they're going to go with Nico already jocked up. Paddy, I'll let you have a crack at the uh, what, the finale at Newbury. Yeah, the King of May, I'd be in agreement with you. There was a couple in here I liked, uh, one a bit further up the weights as well. But the King of May, he popped up at a big price at Carlisle. And I think what it looks to me is you can't go to the well with this chap too often. Um, yeah. I mean, he was a big price at Carlisle, but, you know, he, he beat a good horse of Evan Williams' that day and um, it was a good effort. And then he bombed out the next day, but that was behind simply the bets at Newcastle. But he never rose a gallop that day. Then he did. He sort of won by default the next day at, at, at Sedgefield. But nonetheless, this is the time, I think, to get this horse. 307 days off. Nico is jocked up. I think he he still is open to more improvement, and I think obviously that was a massive run by Moonlighter and Exeter, wasn't it? Because obviously he just yeah came out the wrong side of the result with um with Grenatine of Paul Nichols, and I think that's pretty solid form. Um, so he he's obviously there with a massive chance, but he does have eleven stone twelve. So I think I roll in here with you. I think King of May catch him fresh, Dino. I, yeah, I agree. I th- there's there's going to be a good pot now. I'm delighted to see Nico already jocked up and double figures is sitting there for the King of May. So we'll row in together there. Uh, Stephen Cass. 
Yeah, I'd agree uh, on the two that Paddy mentioned, the King of May and Moonlighter. Moonlighter, if they're talking about Grenadine as winning at Tingle Creek, he's going to go yep. close here off 9-2. Like, will Liblio run on good ground? Definitely want sure. soft ground. There's going to be plenty of soft ground coming up. They might keep him. Uh, loads of them won't run here. Billingsley was declared today. Financier, uh, he's running Friday. Get away Trump's on Friday. So the King of May is 10-1 to 1 there now. Probably be 5-1 to 1 on the day. That's a good bet. And uh, Nico de Boyneville is three wins from only six rides ever for, for Brian Ellison. So he only books them if he has a right chance. So definitely, yeah, the 10 to 1 King of May is the, is the bet here. Those last uh, 120 seconds could be the most profitable on the Race Hour podcast uh, this week with the King of May at double figures um, in that 3.35 at Newbury. Okay, so we'll take a very quick break now uh, from Saturday's action. And when we come back, it's all about Sunday at Fairy House and the stu- superstars on show there. Been listening to the race hour brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk your best bet for tips news and bookmaker reviews okay and welcome back to the race hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk um it's myself dean ryan paddy aspel stephen cass and Dermot nolan and we've got a fantastic sunday um of graded action at fairy house of course the bar one um november meeting and um why don't we kick off with the drinmore and i'll go to Stephen cast first um it's probably the easiest race to solve unless you have a fancy against envoir allen and i don't think many people will this season i don't i love andy dufresne god knows will he run um they'll all avoid on by allen I, I don't have much to say on this to be honest wins demo yeah, um, just kind of find the pricing a small bit interesting, as in if you're an each-way punter, because Gordon Elliott said two weeks ago that the two horses that are going from his yard for this race is um, Envoy Allen and Andy Dufresne. He, he never mentioned easy work, and of course that could change. But if if we knew that was a certain case, well, then Andy Dufresne will finish second if easy work's not running, and seven to one, two places would kind of be interesting, but it's just not big enough really, I suppose, to make any value of it. But yeah, no, Envoy Allen wins this. Okay, Paddy, um, I guess the betting without Envoy Allen market might be the way to go if you had a fancy in the rest of it. But, I mean, they are good horses in behind. It's just Envoy Allen is, uh, is is special, as we all expect, and we probably get a performance that shows us that again. Yeah, very, very strong lineup. to be fair. I mean, Assemble, Home by the Lee, you know, we've got other course winners in here, um, but I found it very hard to pick holes as uh, as much as Gary O'Brien did on on, on UK <laughs> and Ruby absolutely roasted him for it for trying to pick up <laughs> in how he jumped because you know he was good he got the job done and you know very very pleasing start so I think connections will be um, be pretty upset now if he, if he did did get beat here but nonetheless if he did get beat there certainly wouldn't be um, it's not as if he's going to get done by a rag it's a pity that we've got to see so many horses take each other on so early mm. in the season but um yeah, can't wait for it. Yeah, I mean, Andy Dufresne going there is the is probably the most interesting of rivals because they're going to try and... I, I doubt they're going to continue to take Envoy Allen on for the rest of the season and this might just decide for them exactly uh, which way they go up or down. Um, what about the Hatton's Grace, Paddy? Honeysuckle, um, you know, we all know sponsored by this podcast, uh, likely to be odds on to to repeat the feat of uh, of last year for Henry de Bromhead. Yeah, uh, you know we're we're massive fans, aren't we? Me and you, Dino, and um, it's great. That we... we'll, we'll add Dermo. We can add Dermo into the the mix there. Well, cheers, cheers, lads! It. It's just great that we get to see her again, isn't it? Um, yeah, you know because she's done more than enough to to go and do another job by now. But obviously, last year's winner as well. Um, she just seems bottomless. Although to, to appearance, she's not. She's never been exceptional to look at. She's a grinder. Pretty basic stuff. 
Um, but she just keeps winning. Um, so it's impossible to be against you, Omer. Yeah. Um, Demo, you might find a, a reason to, to take her on. I mean, I'd, I'd be shocked, but Saudi Air is potential lineup here. Fury Road is potential to line up here. It's, I think the, the, the interesting market in this will be the without market because I think Honey Suckle wins this. She proved it last year that, that just this is her trip and she's she's very good over it. And was what's the other horses are um, obviously all all good horses. I, I can't see Fury Road running after running just, just kind of last weekend. Um, and the race in behind, because I think Honeysuckle wins, will be very interesting. And at the current prices, if he was to show up now, he'd be shorter in the day because a few of these won't obviously turn up. But I think Ronald Pump in the without market will be the, the bet. I think that was a big run last time. He was very unlucky when he came down because he was travelling very sweetly. And I think he would have he would have got up past the French Dynamite anyway. And I would have half-fanced him to get up past uh, the Burley possibly as well. Um, okay. But uh, Ronald Pump in the without market, but Honeysuckle wins it. Okay, Honeysuckle as well. Uh, Stevenson, nice horses in here if you want to take Honeysuckle on. Yeah, and like, but if you watch her back winning last year, she was so impressive and she does a little she wrong. Was. She's eight from eight. There's an argument that eight to 11 is perfectly fair. Like, I'd say she could go off eight to 15 here. It's yeah. a big thing. Do we know the Saldae run? No, we don't know. Um, probably made of uh, Weetabix, uh, according to Demi like if they're going to go for one before Cheltenham, they might just keep him for Christmas and two miles because they don't know does he does he stay two and a half. Like he's, yeah, he's kind of flatbread Saldia anyway, so he, there isn't much to go on pedigree wise. Uh, if he did run and if you can be quick with your fingers and you're getting six seven to one, that's a wrong price because um, there's not much between them. Like he should be five to two two to one if right. if he runs. So uh, be quick on on. Friday morning when declarations come out if he does run uh, the one outside of that that I'm interested in for future is Beacon Edge who should arguably have beaten Jason the Militant over two miles which is very very good form and, and he's won his two since winning the grade three at Galway um, and looking like a stayer Noel Mead has mentioned that he might be a stayer's hurdle horse he's 33 to 1 for the stayer's hurdle if he rattles Honeysuckle at all as we know there's not much in that stairs hurdle market so Beacon Edge, uh, fingers at the ready for the stairs hurdle, I'd say. Okay, nice angle there. And they're, they're two great races, uh, regardless of whether you get um, involved in the Hatton's Grace and the Drimmore. I mean, huge pointers, of course, for the rest of the season, as they always are. And uh, we've got two superstars in them, along with the horses who could, you know, realistically step forward and, and be huge festival contenders, as they will be as we go through the season. Um, Stephen, I'll come to you on the Royal Bond, because there's a bit more meat on the bone in this one, with the likes of uh, She Wears It Well and Bally Adam. Yeah, great race. And Bally Adam, you'd have to love him, but there's definitely a question mark over him. First of all, there was that day he was beaten in the bumper. And second of all, I wasn't uh, blown away by his jumping uh, at Down Royal. So there's just, uh, I just, while I think he might be the best of him in time, I'm just not that keen to row in behind him. Um, Concertista would have blown you away at Cheltenham, but always in and out before that and you know maybe with the drift in the bedding she's not running she wears it well uh was very very good at tipperary and was extremely good on the clock when you compare it to san so uh she has done it she jumps well she's done it on the clock she looks a machine um i'd probably row in with her uh but two to one is skinny enough as well if i was gonna have a swing at one i might show a tenor annexation who i thought probably should have won the last day in the angolo race at navin uh, he's 20 to 1 and he looks like he could improve a lot as Henry's do. So he'd be the interesting one at the wild price. 
But at the front of the market, I would probably side when she wears it well. But I think Bally Adam, there could be money for him. He could go off five to four. She might be five to two the day before. And then I would back her. Okay. Okay. Um, Demo, why don't you uh, try and split that top two or do you like something else? Uh, literally word for word it's, it's like I saw uh, Stephen Cass's notes there um, I like Bally Adam um, there's loads of promise you wouldn't be obviously surprised at all to see him win but I wasn't really overly enamoured last time I t- he showed a lot of the finish but just jumping and you just has to go and prove it now at the top level she wears it well for me is is the one but I'd want slightly bigger than uh, two to one so again just like Stephen Cass said I, I'd wait for Five to two, and that could happen, especially if uh, if Gordon has a good weekend as well. And um, at the big odds, the exact same um, annexation was the one that, that went into my tracker last time. I thought that was a an improving run, and um, he'll he'll improve a lot. So a wild odds, I would kind of play him, and you can play him now at twenty to one, uh, three paces. So it, it probably isn't the worst bet because he'll be shorter if any of the first four kind of come out. Um, but uh, she wears it well would be the one that I prefer at the moment. Okay, Paddy Aspel. Yeah, I think she wears it well down the bottom. I mean, I thought she it was very workmanlike when she when she won at Sligo over hurdles um, on her second start, and you know, so the jury was out for me going into tip. But I mean, to be pitched into Grade Three on your second start over hurdles and only literally going through the motions to win by eight lengths and like Cass says on the clock it was pretty good um, she looks very very good to me um, Bally Adam I think you take away the, the the race where literally because of his price tag he was sent off a crazily short price um, in his first bumper at Navin but I mean since then has been absolutely faultless really I mean 12 lengths off the back of some ordinary jumping the other day obviously proves that there's a fair engine in there but I think I'd be I'd be happy to be with the mare down the bottom here. She wears it well. She she looks pretty tidy. Okay, um, yeah, I think that's 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 three shouts for she wears it well. Um, and you might even get a slightly bigger price when the money does likely come for just in terms of when to back her, Dean. Sorry, Andy Go Holding is mad keen on her now, and he puts her up on Sunday morning at nine o'clock. Even you know she'll be in seven to four, six to four. So mm-hmm. try and get her Saturday night if you get a bit of five to two. Saturday night, Friday night, whenever the decks come out, that's when to back her. Okay. You mentioned another one of the, the mares in, in Concertista. Um, you wouldn't see many runners lining up on a Royal Bond having run at two Cheltenham Festivals over hurdles and winning one of the races by 12 lengths over hurdles and then coming for a Royal Bond. Um, it's, it's pretty fascinating. It's the last day of the novice as well. It's the last exactly. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they have a swing. Did run at the meeting last year as well and got beat as odds on. Um, so maybe you know, fairy ass not the spot, or maybe just think, all about the spring. I think the owners have a lot of say in where these horses run. It's not like sure. we can dictate as much with these guys. They don't take sure, any shit. Sure. So if they see a big pot there and there's not much for her elsewhere, they'll be insistent she runs. But uh, she's just a bit drifty in the betting this morning. So yeah, take yeah. what you will. Yeah, six to one does look very big, and maybe on the lines of you know she's not going to line up. But if she did line up and was anything like that price, that's where I'd be going uh, to try and, and take a swing at some of the lesser 
experience not that she's over raced but she has done it on a big big stage already um okay so um they are the the big graded races we won't really touch on the juveniles hard to know exactly uh what's going to line up there gordon elliott mob handed uh joseph obviously has one in there and uh, and willie mullen so um we'll have to see what the market does when it does settle down uh for the uh, juvenile herd or the grade three uh, there are a couple of other cracking races on the card demo do you want to give us something else uh, yeah, Dean, just for the the uh, Porterstown on Sunday. Um, Court Maid was really well back last time for uh, a big grade one. And uh, she was she was beaten by, uh, uh, by oh God, it's completely slipped my head there now. Uh, pencil full of lead, sorry. Pencil and lead, um, yeah. she was beaten by pencil full of lead in the Florida Pearl, which is a grade two, obviously. But she was backed all day into nine to two. And obviously, latest exhibition was beaten that day. But she was obviously showing an awful lot of home. And she runs here off a mark of 140, running off 11 stone in the uh, Portstone handicap. I just think she could be ahead of these um, on her mark. She's 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 a very consistent mare. Um, she's ran here well here at Ferryhouse when she was running over hurdles. She's taken the chasing really well, it seems. And um, that run last time, I would just forgive it. She was in very hot water. And um, that's a performance. So court may, but I'd imagine she she'd be well found in the market if the ground is desperate. Um, although the weather does seem to be improving here in Ireland, not to go back into the I weather. I can tell but, you outside my window, it's nice and sunny. Yeah, uh, the Nikos could well be an absolutely huge price. I'm uh, very interested in the same race. So. Number seven, Court Maid, and number four, Danikos. It's very interesting that he's not been on the cull list yet for Gigginstown. Gordon Elliott obviously thinks that there is something left in him. He runs here for mark 145, which is two pounds below his last winning mark. This was a horse who was a novice chaser all, all that time ago, was running some absolutely huge races, including fourth behind Monolly. Um, he beat Tombstone. He beat Moonbeg Notorious that season. It's kind of gone wrong for him since, but he just strikes me as the kind of horse that it'll click for him one day. He's got plenty of experience in these big handicaps now. He could be an absolutely huge price at number four than cost. But if I was going to pick a winner of the Porterstown, which is hard enough on the day without in oh, advance yeah. like this, uh, Court Maid will be the one day. Okay, court made in the Porters Town. Um, it's nearly that time where we need to uh, spring for some naps of the weekend from everybody. But uh, Stephen or Paddy, if you have anything else from Fairy House, fire now. What about Dundalk Friday? Dundalk Friday, yeah, go on, work away. Uh, in the four o'clock, uh, Bellick drops to five furlongs, travelled really well the last day. Uh, Killian McConnell, who's only rode one winner ever, John McConnell's son, uh, claiming 10 offs, running off de facto 53. I think Bellick is bordering on the best handicap horse that runs at Dundalk, but doesn't often show it. Uh, but in the 4 o'clock, he'll be a big price and will have a right chance. And in the 4.30, a horse called Capablanca. Pat Flynn had a double maybe three weeks ago. Capablanca ran in the last, was absolutely tanking, got murdered on the run. If you watch the replay of that, uh, drawn 13 wouldn't put me off because it has to be dropped in. So Capablanca in the 4.30 at Dundalk on Friday should also be a ginormous price. Thank you. Good stuff. Um, we, we do like our uh, extra snippets from Dundalk from Stephen Cass. So fingers crossed if you get involved with them. Right, let's do naps, lads. We've been through a hell of a lot of racing there over the weekend. Um, while you compose yourselves, I'll give mine first. And that may, probably makes it a bit easy uh, for everyone else. Uh, mine um, is Time Hill. Dickie Johnson is booked. The horse is declared. We'll take on Paisley Park, McFabulous, Somerville Boy and, and uh, Liz Nagar Oscar et al. In that three o'clock at Newbury, the long distance on Friday. So Time Hill, six to one. That that will do me. Uh, the conditional is my pick in the Labrook. Why don't I go to Paddy? Give us your nap, please. 
I'm going to go to a race we didn't mention, lads, in the yep. the French Furs at Newcastle on Saturday. I did mm-hmm. I did nap in this race as well last year. One of Kim Bailey's. I thought she'd won on the day, so I'm going to go with another go here. And he hasn't got any other entries in Flash Collange for Paul Nichols. He won. Uh, he's French bred. He's related to Native Collange. He's got a real nice page this horse, and he won at Exeter on debut. And I mean, he was very, very green, very raw, and he actually went off a price because his tongue was tied, you know, on his on his making his debut. So I think that put people off. But he won only by three quarters of a length. But he was a big, raw, backward-looking thing. The third of Hobbsies has gone in again since just a couple of days ago at Ludlow by seven lengths. Um, I think he's pretty solid, and I do like sort of the younger less exposed types in this French furs race going forward. So flash colognes for me. Lovely, Paddy. Thank you. Flash colognes in the French fairs at Newcastle. Uh, Demo, you're up. Um, Old Grange with Dean in the uh, 225 at uh, Newbury on on Friday. Uh, Saturday. No? Oh, no. No, you're right. 225. Yeah. Take it back. 225 Old Grangewood on Saturday. Uh, Harry Skelton and Dan Skelton. On Friday. Um, on Friday. Friday. <laughs> with a long podcast, that race is on Friday. Stephen Cass, you're up. I'll go with Nicholson at 14 to 1. I just think that price, given what Ali Murphy has said about him, is very big. That's the 225 at Newbury on Saturday. That is the 225 at Newbury on Saturday, which we finally got there. So there's one on the Friday, one on the Saturday. Uh, Nicholson, 14 to 1. Only Murphy um, in that contest on Saturday. Okay, uh, thanks everyone for joining. Paddy Aspel, Stephen Caster, and Nolan, uh, myself, Dean Ryan. You've been listening to the Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Best of luck this weekend. Uh, we'll chat to you next week. <laughs>